If you love this land of the free, bring them home, bring them home. Bring them back from overseas. Bring them home, bring them home. It'll make the politicians sad, I know. Bring them home, bring them home. They want to tangle with their foes. Bring them home, bring them home. They want to test the grand theories. Bring them Hello, home, and welcome to Rumble with Michael Moore. And I'm Michael Moore. Today's episode is entitled The Miracle of Kabul, or How One Man Saved Tens of Thousands of Lives. That may seem like a very positive title for an episode on a day when such a tragedy occurred uh, at the uh, Kabul airport. But the fact of the matter is, is that while there were those who created uh, this terror, the mission continues. The mission being led by Joe Biden continues. And yes, He has already saved over 104,000 lives. And there are more to be saved in the final hours of this effort to evacuate people from Kabul. And the eyes must be kept on that prize. While we remember and grieve the dead, they were willing to give their lives. I'm referring especially to our, our Marines and the one Navy medic. They were willing to give their lives so that the 104,000 could live. And we'll never forget that. But we have to talk about the importance of these last two weeks and how it happened and who's responsible for the saving of all of these lives and why nobody is standing up and saying that. I'm going to say it and I'm going to say things that run counter to the narrative of the last two weeks. And I hope you uh, stick around here to listen to what I have to say, because I got a feeling there are thousands of you that agree with me. And we must not be afraid to speak the truth. Because it is a miracle what's happening right now. It is a miracle. And it needs to be acknowledged. And we're going to do that today on Rumble. Before we get to that, let me offer a massive thank you to all of you who have signed up here on my new site. It's a Substack site. I don't know if you've heard of Substack. It's a free platform for writers and readers and readers who write and also for uh, podcasts and others who want a different form, a different place to post our thoughts, our ideas, our writings, our podcasts. And so I've decided to make use of this incredible new platform. So if you are already on my mailing list and and getting emails from me on this new Substack, thank you. Congratulations. Stay there. Uh, You're automatically signed up. You're automatically subscribers. It costs nothing. All of my work 
will continue to be free on this. The podcast, obviously, will always be free. And my writings, I'm going to be writing each week a letter to you, perhaps a, an occasional essay, uh, random thoughts, uh, and it'll come to you via email. You don't have to go to my website. You don't have to try and find it online. It'll just be in your box because you are a free subscriber to michaelmore.com. And there is a way for those of you who want to uh, be supporters and members of our little endeavor and endeavors we do, whether it's the films we make or the series that we produce, this podcast and other things, you're uh, welcome uh, to do that. And you can contribute if you would like, but you don't have to, because as I said, the podcast and my essays, things I post, uh, it's all for free. So thank you for that. Thank you for the incredible response that uh, we received here in the last uh, week to 10 days. Now, for those of you who are my podcast audience, thank you so much uh, here. We've been doing this now for uh, almost uh, 20 months, and it's been great being able to bring these podcasts to you, these episodes. But I want you to get on my mailing list because this way I will just email you the episode every time it's it's there you don't have to wait till the next day or whatever i'll just email you the episode and you'll get all this other stuff that i'm writing now about what's going on and uh various things uh i'm not going to flood your your email box uh but uh, i think you'll enjoy uh being part of michaelmore.com here on substack so please uh sign up go uh look here right here on the podcast platform page there's a link to michaelmore.com where you just go to michaelmore.com It'll pop right up. Just type in your email. I don't want any other information from you. In just this past week, I've written things. I'd love for you to read everything from the day that we lost the war in Afghanistan some 12 days ago to all the way to a posting I did on my dad's 100th birthday, what would have been his 100th birthday this past week. So you'll want to check this out. And before we get started, I just want to point out that we're posting this on August 26th, and August 26th every year is officially Women's Equality Day. Now, that's not an official like holiday. It's not like Memorial Day or the 4th of July. It should be one holiday to acknowledge the rights of women, even though our U.S. Constitution doesn't acknowledge those rights. But the good news here is that last year on January of 2020, the 38th state, you need 38 states to get an amendment to the United States Constitution. The 38th state passed the Equal Rights Amendment, Equal Rights for Women. The ERA, Virginia was that state, and then it became the law of the land that you cannot discriminate against women. The rights are the same regardless of uh, gender. Oh, what's that you say? Oh, it's not the law of the land yet? How can that be? 38 states have passed the amendment. Yes, exactly, my friends. When it passes, just like when women uh, got the right to vote in 1920, after Tennessee became the final state to pass it, it still had to be signed by somebody in the executive branch. It's like an authorization, like a little certificate, a little signing ceremony. It already passed the Congress. It's already passed 38 states. But no official from the White House has signed the certification to make it the law. That was supposed to have happened last year, of course, we had a different kind of president then. He's gone. And so we've just been waiting for President Biden or the actually the archivist of the United States can sign it. So can the Secretary of State sign it? it anyways, it's got to get signed, but it's not signed. We've been so busy, I know, with so many other things. 
President Biden has to get to this and just to nudge him toward it. But you can also contact the White House and let them know they'd really be happy if President Biden would sign this. Even like, how about on Women's Equality Day? So all you have to do is just contact the White House. Is the phone number still down? I think Trump cut the wires or something when he left and they, they haven't uh, replaced it. But you can you can write the president online. Oh, the number's back up and working? 202-456-1111. Okay, great. Let me uh, try that uh, number, see if they hooked up the uh, the lines that uh, Trump had, had cut. Uh, 202-456-1111. That's the number to the White House. And here we go. Thank you for calling the White House comment line. The office is temporarily closed. If you'd like to send a message, please visit our website at www.whitehouse.gov forward slash contact. Thank you for contacting the White House. Um, okay, bummer. So it sounds like the lines hooked back up, but but maybe not. Maybe they just don't want to do phones anymore. You know, 21st century, everything, you know. So you're just to write. Okay, so write them. Let's all write them. That's easy. Let's just go online and uh, send the president an email saying here on Women's Equality Day, sign the certificate. Now that we've got our 38 states that have ratified the Equal Rights Amendment, let's get this part of the Constitution. So people listening to this, they just have to do whitehouse.gov slash contact. So what did you write in the box? My message is to the president, to tell the president, to tell the archivist to sign the ERA. We're a signature away. We're right there. Yeah. It's already, this number of states have already passed it. It, was, it passed Congress back in the day. So let's just get this done on Women's Equality Day. Simple ask. Everybody, okay, I'm, I'm typing up mine right now. Oh, yeah, this is easy. Nothing. Sign the ERA. Okay, that's it. Boom. I should have said please. I'm sorry. We're just, we got a podcast to do. All right, everybody listening, please do that today, immediately. Whitehouse.gov slash contact. All right, so we're going to get started now. And um, I have a few things to say about uh, what's going on in Kabul, what's going on with Joe Biden, and what's going on with the press and the public and Joe Biden. And um, I, I really want you to hear what I have to say about this because nobody else is saying it and it's, it's driving me crazy. Before we do that, I want to thank two of our underwriters who support this podcast and who make it possible for it to go out around the world and for us to do our work and to make it free to everybody. And I want to start by thanking uh, our longtime supporter of Rumble, Gabby. Gabby is here to help uh, when you're dealing with the blood-sucking insurance companies. They are here to help us essentially fight these insurance companies when we have to get insurance. Uh, there's, as you know, hundreds of companies out there claiming to compare auto insurance and home insurance rates and all that. But there's actually only one that actually does it. And they will help you, me, everybody get a better insurance policy. And that is Gabby. Uh, and I know it works because several of you have written me and told me how much money you've saved Gabby customers save $961 per year on average on their home or auto insurance. So my friends, it's totally free to check them out. No obligation. You just go to Gabby.com and Gabby is spelled G-A-B-I. Gabby.com slash rumble. 
you got to put that in there so that they know that their support for us uh, is uh, uh, definitely being heard. Gabby.com, G-A-B-I.com slash Rumble. Check them out, save some money, and thank them for supporting this podcast. I also want to thank another longtime, longtime underwriter of our uh, Rumble with Michael Moore, and that is Raycon. To ease any of the crap in our daily lives, what's one of the things we do? And I don't mean alcohol or drugs. We make playlists. <laughs> we make playlists of our favorite music. And I have found in this last year that the best way to listen to that music, to actually have it feel as rich and whole and as part of my brain as possible, are these incredible wireless earbuds that I found from Raycon. They have been brought to us by the incredible rapper Ray J. Uh, he's the co-founder of Raycon, and um, he wanted to create a way where we could just listen to music for a very long time. The battery life of these buds is like 32 hours. I'm not suggesting you go a whole 32 hours, but hey, you may need it. He wanted to have a rapper-produced pair of earbuds that didn't cost so damn much money. So he decided we're going to offer these at half the price of the other premium audio brands, and they sound just as good. These Raycons, man, they're incredible. They come with a 45-day, what they call a happiness guarantee. So all you Rumble listeners, you can get 15% off your Raycon order at Buy Raycon. That's where you go to, buy, B-U-I, buyraycon.com slash rumble. You got to put the slash rumble in there so they know that you appreciate their support of this podcast. Buy Raycon, and that Raycon is R-A-Y-C-O-N, buy, B-U-I, buyraycon.com slash rumble to save 15% on your Raycons. Okay, we're back to rumble here, my friends. And uh, I just have been going bananas uh, this last uh, week and a half, almost two weeks, since we lost the Afghanistan war and the Taliban swept into Kabul, not firing guns, not shooting American soldiers. They had already come across the rest of Afghanistan and uh, over 18 months actually had negotiated various deals with the Afghan leaders of the various provinces and regions in Afghanistan to when the day comes, when the Americans leave, uh, we need a peaceful transfer of power. And that's exactly what happened. And the Afghan army took off their uniforms, uh, laid them down on the ground, and uh, put down their weapons. And that was the end of that. And there were no battles, no firefights, no bombings, just everybody wanting to end this 20-year-long war. And then Kabul was the last city. And uh, it came earlier than what the intelligence community had told Biden uh, it would happen. So the Taliban showed up early. I mean, we've all had this happen to us. I mean, not the Taliban coming to us, but, you know, you've you've announced to your, your friends and whatever, you're having a party Saturday night, 9 o'clock, and somebody shows up at 8, <laughs> right? And it was like, wait, I'm not ready, first of all. I haven't taken a shower. I was going to get, I was going to put some decent clothes on. I mean, you know, decent for me. Right? Who hasn't had this happen? Or you're making plans to have dinner and somebody 
you're still making the dinner and they show up uh, an hour early. You're completely thrown off. And so essentially this is what happened. Biden and, and his people were expecting the Taliban to roll in to Kabul for Christmas. <laughs> yes, I know. Bad intelligence, bad everything. It's, remember, it's run by humans. Um, we never quite get this kind of stuff right. And we never understand just how smart the other side often is. How do the Vietnamese defeat us without them owning a single helicopter or a single battleship? Or any of that. That's, yeah, because we're not really too hip to just how smart and how dedicated they are to their freedom and to get rid of the invading force. Today, one of the people that, that uh, came back from the, the bombing there, you know, on the, they wanted to get on the plane, didn't make it to the gate, didn't get hurt. And so the reporter said, so are you going to go back uh, tomorrow? Or and he's, the Afghan said, no, no. I think I'm better off taking my chances just staying here in Afghanistan with the Taliban than going back in, into that craziness. And of course, he understood the difference that that was ISIS, sworn enemy of the Taliban, that did that today. Haven't we learned our lesson by now? The days of this sort of aggressive invasion of countries, of massive bombings, were done, right? We're done with it. What happened earlier today in Kabul with the suicide bombers? I, I'm done with it. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't have been there. We almost made it out without anything happening. And still, to this moment, the Taliban have not turned their weapons on any U.S. service people or any U.S. citizens or any Afghan collaborators who collaborated, who helped us. If you didn't see the press conference this afternoon, and, and I'm, t I'm talking about now this, this afternoon of Thursday, August 26th, with the CENTCOM uh, commander, where he laid it all out, what happened there with the suicide bombers. He said, look, the to get onto the grounds of the Kabul airport, you first have to go through a Taliban uh, checkpoint. And you know how we've listened to the last couple of weeks, uh, all the pundits and everybody complaining about how these, Talib these Taliban checkpoints. Yeah, well, what they were doing was they were frisking and they were taking care of and making sure nobody got near the American checkpoint at the airport first. So the general today admits that the Taliban have already prevented in these first two weeks people from getting closer to the airbase. They caught people that were trying to get close. They haven't given the specifics of this yet, but... The, as the I'll use the general's words. He said they they had thwarted a number of people who were on their way to do damage to the airport, and the Taliban stopped them at their checkpoint. All we've heard about is oh they were so harsh with with Afghans and others who were trying to get close to the airport. Well now we know why. Well now we know why. Because President Biden and his team had negotiated a system with the Taliban, and. You know, as the general was asked today, do you even say you trusted the Taliban? Well, he says, it's not, it's not, you're using the wrong word. We have, we have a mutual interest. They want us gone by August 31st, and we want to be gone by August 31st. So they worked very hard to stop any harm from coming to any American or 
any of their fellow Afghans who worked with the enemy, the United States, wanted to leave now, helping them leave, checking their papers, making sure they weren't carrying any weapons. And then they got to go to the, the next checkpoint is staffed by the United States Marine Corps. And they are the ones then who then put themselves, their lives on the line to make sure nobody gets on those airport grounds who could blow up a plane. And they have successfully done that. As the general said, the Taliban, they let through 104,000 people that we have now flown out of there already. 104,000 as of this day, Thursday morning. They checked all of them and the Marines checked all of them and 104,000 were put on planes. No bombs went off. Nobody was killed. The planes took off. No plane was shot down. Amazing. And there's no prep for this because they didn't think the Taliban were going to take over this quickly. How did we get 104,000 out of there safely? It's amazing. The pundits on TV are already, oh, they're in, they, the ones that want the war to continue. The ones who got us into the war, trying to justify the 20-year war existence all day today, you know, blaming the Taliban for their poor security even though they successfully screened 104,000 evacuees and missed two. Wow. Some people, they will not stop. I'm talking about these Americans on TV. You got to turn the TV. Don't watch this stuff. These are the same people that got us into Iraq, got us into Afghanistan, uh, refused to take precautions, knowing that bin Laden was going to attack the United States and they did nothing. So, there's no credibility on their part. I don't even know why they still let them on TV. This McMaster, this Gen- General McMaster. I mean, I have never seen a modern day Dr. Strangelove until earlier today on MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell. And he went full throttle Strangelove on her. Wow. So this is, see, this is just all the, the same thing that. It's for like the last couple of weeks. I've just been going bananas on how this is being reported and what's happening and how the real truth isn't being told about the success of this incredible mission that is being carried out in the middle of chaos. Chaos and catastrophe. It's not our country. And we had to end this. And Biden said he would end it when he ran for office. And damn it, if that is not exactly what he did do. And everybody can be an armchair strategist. Everybody can appoint themselves to the Joint Chiefs of Staff if they want. He should have done this. The Army should have done that. The CIA should have done this. Whatever. Here's what he's done. Here is what Biden has done. Ended an immoral war. He wouldn't say it's immoral. He... I think he liked the first few months. Al-Qaeda skedaddled. Bin Laden got away. And then Bush lost interest in looking for him. And it took Obama and his people to find him. But, um, but Biden has not been a fan of this war, certainly up until the time that Bin Laden was found. Since that point, that was 10 years ago, my friends, 10 years. Biden has been against this. And he said he would stop this, and he did. He stopped it, and he said, we're pulling out. First, he said, we're going to pull out by 9-11. And then he figured we needed to speed that up. 
And so he said August 31st. And right away, the shit rained down on him. Oh, my God. How could he do this? Can't do this. We just can't leave like that. We have to leave some behind. Why? It's not our country. We have no right to be there. Well, what about the embassy? Yeah, what about it? Leave. Leave. They don't want us there. The army that we trained and armed, they don't want us there. They don't even want to be part of the army. Leave. Biden's smart enough to know that. And the day after this announcement, I mean, well, actually by that night, people were all over. The press were over him. Democrats, Republicans, everybody saying this is a bad idea. Yeah, let's continue the war. Another, another year, another two years, another 20 years. No, Biden would have none of it. He, he said, no, we're leaving. We are leaving and that's that. And he would not walk it back. And as things got volatile and everybody started talking, oh my God, the Taliban, they're on their, they're, cir- they're encircling. That was the first thing that came up on your, on your phone from the New York Times, the headline in the uh, middle of the night there on that Sunday, a couple weeks ago, almost a couple weeks ago. Taliban have encircled Kabul. <gasps> oh my God, the beast. The beast was at the gates. And all the re- that Sunday, the morning shows, everybody was like, oh my God, the beheadings are going to start. They're going to they're gonna be kidnapping young girls, selling them as sex slaves, and there's going to be rape, and there's going to be this and that and everything. And <gasps> what about all the people, all the Afghan people that helped us, the interpreters? The, oh my God, people were, remember, this, and this has been going on now for almost two weeks. People are going nuts about this. Biden has abandoned them. On and on and on. Then something funny happened. Taliban came in through the city in their pickup trucks. You know, a couple guys up front driving it and four or five guys in the back with their guns. Firing a few of them into the air in celebration. It's not every every day you defeat the number one superpower, only real superpower, military superpower in the world. (sighs) Um, There wasn't going to be like a a surrender ceremony, you know, where like we, you know, with the Japanese on the ship at the end of World War II, Versailles with the Germans at the end of World War I. Uh, No no American general, I guess, was going to sign the surrender papers, but... That's what we did. That's what you have to do when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And when you're, so your stated mission has been over for a decade or longer. Why are you still there? And so the Taliban come into the city and they're not beheading anybody. They're not pulling people out of their homes and putting a bullet in their head. They're not doing any of the things that the American media was telling us that they're going to start doing any minute now. None of that. None of that happened. They just had a parade of pickup trucks driving around the city, shooting off guns in the air. They were being waved and cheered on by the civilian population, 
by the ex-Afghan army. And then people started running to the airport, thinking, oh, man, there's got to be a way out. Of course, the people that had papers that were given to them by the American military to get out because they had helped the military, even though they were Afghan citizens, they helped the invading force fight their own Afghan uh, citizens because they were Taliban and these people obviously knew what the Taliban was about and didn't want anything to do with it and so they wanted to help the Americans. And um, and people started making their way to the airport and the first ones you know got through and Americans were making there was a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. You know the media was calling it a catastrophe. Well, yes, it was a big clusterfuck. I guess they can't write that in a headline, but that's it was a clusterfuck at the airport. And some people actually, I think, did die from being crushed. There was just such a... The rumor got around Kabul that um, a bunch of American planes were coming in and they were going to fly anybody out that wanted to get out of there. And so the sense was, wow, if you go to the airport, you can get a trip to America. So... Thousands, thousands descended on uh, the Kabul airport. But somewhere in that first 24 hours, our commander-in-chief and the military were communicating with the Taliban. We will learn someday, shortly, exactly how this happened. But they negotiated a deal with the Taliban to not kill American service people, to not kill Americans who are in Afghanistan, and to not kill Afghan people, especially those who had helped us. Nobody in the press was pointing this out. Any kind of killing, any kind of maiming, raping, etc. And the fact was... Well, there's always going to be rogue elements. We can just look at our own military. There are those rogue elements that rape and kill. We have a couple of mass murderers from our military, more than one, either while they're in the military, Fort Hood, or after they get out. How many of our mass slayings have been by, sadly, veterans who clearly lost their minds? But none of that was going on. And more and more people going to the airport, still a clusterfuck, but it was getting unfucked, unclustered. And as of a number of days ago, flights started going out day after day after day after day, taking out Americans and Afghan refugees and Afghans who helped the U.S. military. 19,000, 19,000 people were flown out by by the Americans out of the Kabul airport. Not a single plane has been shot down. Whatever Joe Biden and his people did, they have protected thousands of Americans and tens of thousands of Afghan people. We have a real commander-in-chief right now. And my friends, I don't understand the vitriol toward President Biden from all sides about how he messed this up and this could have been done differently and should have been. How differently? How much more differently could it be? Like differently like there should be 100 Americans dead now? There should be 1,000 dead? How? How many of the Taliban killed? How many Americans? None. How many Afghans 
who worked with Americans and are lining up there to leave? None. None killed by the Taliban. The evil, vicious Taliban? None. We were warned, and everyone was warned there in Kabul. ISIS was up to something. Something bad was going to happen. It was not a surprise. That kind of terrorism, the suicide bomber, almost impossible to prevent. At some point, when they can't get any further, they detonate the vest and they blow themselves and a whole bunch of other people up. That could happen again tomorrow and the next day. That's why the sooner the better to get out of there. Clearly, a truce got worked out and is being enforced by both sides. And this is the result of a real commander-in-chief who, as the history books will write about this, this isn't Dunkirk, my friends. This isn't where thousands are slaughtered on the beach. And yet, history remembers the great Winston Churchill and all the brave people of Britain who rowed their boats across the English Channel to save people. And they did, and it was amazing. But still, a horrible, horrible mess that resulted in so much loss of life. Not here. This isn't our Dunkirk. No matter how crappy the conditions, you know, I've seen all the stories. There not enough uh, Portageon facilities there at the airport. Nobody's hungry, though. Our troops have handed over their MREs, batches and batches of them, to all the Afghan people at the airport so that they could eat water for everyone. Everyone's being fed. Everyone's drinking water. The conditions suck. I mean, it's not like it's Six Flags over New Jersey, friends. I mean, this is a mess. But nonetheless, you understand how this amazing thing that is in such disarray that Biden and his military were able to pivot very quickly and get this thing rolling, get this thing on the road. And as I'm talking to you, there are almost 100,000 people that have been evacuated by the United States of America. 100,000. It was 88,000 during the day on Wednesday, and uh, they were predicting by Thursday morning here on August 26th, they'd be at at least 100,000, and they were doing more. They're trying to get, they did 19,000. They're going to try and do more than 20,000 a day. They they have uh, uh, over 90 aircraft. Uh, Biden exercised his right as commander-in-chief to commandeer uh, in this case, 18 commercial airliners. He has, under under the Homeland Security Act, he can say to Delta Airlines, United Airlines, give me your planes. We need them. We got to get Americans out. And he did. He just signed a piece of paper. And all of a sudden, there's like six airlines, three planes each so far. Boom. That's how you do it. That's your commander in chief. That's your troops doing that. And yes, it's risky. And yes, shit could blow up at any moment. The the truce and the peace could end. It's very volatile. I know the armchair people. No, if he'd only done it right, there's no right way to do a thing like this. You know why? Because there was no right way coming into it. We were wrong to invade their country. Yes, we were right to go after the people that killed 3,000 people on 9-11. But they weren't there, and they 
Osama bin Laden had escaped, and Al Qaeda essentially they weren't Afghans. I mean, there were a few Afghans, but they weren't Afghans. Al Qaeda were Saudis. They're from Yemen. They're from a few of the Gulf states. So yeah, that's your best. That's your best card you've got against Joe Biden. You know, you, you guys, you know me, right? Right? You've listened to my podcast. I'm a friend of Bernie Sanders. I was at one of his first campaign rallies when he ran for Congress many, many years ago, back in 1990 when he won. I was there in Burlington, Vermont. I have been a friend of his all these years and a supporter. And I and my family and friends, we were on the campaign trail with him in the early primaries, the ones he won. And we were not for Joe Biden. Let's just say that right up front. So this is a this is a Bernie supporter saying these words. This this man who, believe me, um, this he wasn't always this way. He didn't always feel this way. But you know what? He is one of the very very few representatives in our government. You remember him in Fahrenheit 9/11, where I stood there on the corner of Capitol Hill, asking one member of Congress after another, um, you know, do you have a son or daughter? in the military? Are they in Iraq? One after the other, no, no, no. Turned out there was only one senator, um, a Democrat, who had a kid uh, that was in the, um, the army in Iraq. Of course, the, the people that are the politicians that start these wars, they're not going to sacrifice their own for this war. They want other children to die in, to die for except for Joe Biden. Joe Biden had a son who went, who was there. Very rare. But he's from the working class, Biden. You know? He talks like it. He thinks like it. Um, He butchers a lot of his language the way we do. Those of us who grew up (laughs) in the working class, you know, we we know what it's like to be looked down on because we... We didn't. We didn't get the. Uh, we didn't go to Miss Manners, and we didn't learn the proper, the King's English. But that's Joe Biden. That's how he grew up. That's how he grew up. That's who he is. That's. Uh, and of course, he had a son that was in the military. When he was a senator, you know, hmm, not so much. Um, he he's of the Vietnam era in terms of his age. Never protested the war. I don't know. I don't know if he ever said or did anything about Vietnam, sort of sat it out. But here he is, nearing 80. And um, like a lot of people that age and older who've seen war, uh, know that it's wrong and it's awful and you don't want anybody to be put through it. So he comes in as a man of peace he does what he said he was going to do. He ends the war. And and then he takes all this grief for it. And I'm just thinking, thank God for you, Joe Biden. Never walked it back. Didn't cower to these these critics. Just just stayed right with it. We're getting out by the 31st. We are going to 
get everyone out alive, hopefully. There are no guarantees, as we've seen. But that's the mission. And over 100,000, we've already done that in less than two weeks. 104,000 out alive. There's only, there's, there's less than 72 hours to go. I think anybody who's followed these things knows when they say August 31st, they don't mean that. They plan to end this before then. From what I've heard, they're going to get all the civilians out by Saturday or Sunday and then use the last day or two to get all the military personnel out. But even that, that doesn't satisfy the pundits on cable news. I'm not talking about Fox News, my friends. I'm talking about CNN and MSNBC and others. They put up a screenshot last night of how many weapons we're leaving behind. There are like 980,000 guns. I'm like, yeah, and your point is it's Cleveland? Presidents essentially are known, at least American presidents, for starting wars, especially since World War II. We're often the people who start the war, who do the invading. It's rare that we get a president who ends wars, who comes into office saying, that's the end of this. That's what we have here. And that's what he's done. And I am so amazed and grateful for his actions here in the last couple of weeks. And every single headline and every single news report on the hour should begin with, 104,000 are alive. 104,000 have been saved by President Biden and our troops. Why aren't we looking at it this way? Because that's the truth. Yet these pundits, these people who, it's like war porn to them. They want to bring back the porn of war, more killing, more fight the Taliban, fight the ISIS, fight the Al-Qaeda, fight, fight, fight. No, we're done. We're done fighting. We're going home. We're going home. And we've done an incredible thing in these 12 days. We've saved 104,000 people, put them up on planes, plane after plane, even even today, which was about 7.30, watching 7.30 at night in Afghanistan, and they're doing a report on the suicide bombing, and planes were still taking off in the near dark, taking off and landing, taking off full of people. <laughs> right in the middle of the suicide bombing, they didn't stop. That is Biden's attitude. We don't stop. I've made my decision. This is what we're doing. This war is over. And these people are going to live and we're going to get them up in the air and we're going to take them to Germany, to Italy, to Spain, to Dubai, to Dulles Airport. Some flights have gone just straight to Dulles in Washington, D.C. We're taking them to Fort Bliss. We're taking them to these other bases in the United States where they're already setting up refugee housing. Why isn't that leading the news? Yeah, you send your suicide bomber in, you're not stopping us. We don't respond to threats and to terror. And here goes the next plane up in the air. That's the story of this commander-in-chief, of this man of peace. Shame, shame on the media, and the politicians, 
and those who still want more war. Well, he can't leave by August 31st. He's going to have to stay a lot longer. Are you kidding? That's what's going to get people killed. We have to get people out in the next 24 to 48 hours. Quick. And they've got everybody on high alert looking for any potential suicide bomber now. And the Taliban, they're the first line to take out any suicide bomber that they run across. Yeah, he's done such a shitty job. He's made sure that the Taliban haven't killed a single American during this entire evacuation of Kabul. How'd that happen? We're talking about the evil Taliban? And somehow he and his team have convinced them it's in their best interest to help us leave safely. And so far with this one instance, which is hugely tragic, they have had nearly 12 days of nothing tragic other than it's just a horrible mess. Isn't that the story? Remember when they administration said that a week ago that they worked it out the Taliban there'll be safe passage how come we haven't been told this it, it took until yesterday for a general to stand in front of the microphone and just try to clear up all the nonsensical propaganda that our media has been putting out there he said no we're not just flying people to Qatar the nation of Qatar they're a Gulf state no no he said, we are flying them to Kuwait, we are flying them to Dubai, we're flying to uh, United Arab Emirates, um, and we have flown Afghans um, to our bases in Germany, Italy, Spain, and we've had a number of flights that have just gone directly to Washington Dulles Airport in the U.S. I didn't know any of this has been going on now for days and Biden then yesterday said that he uh, would guarantee that we'll make sure that 70,000 Afghan refugees um, have a home outside of Afghanistan. That is an amazing commitment. There are four bases in the U.S. Um, uh, Fort Bliss, I know it's one of them. There's three others, one in New Jersey, one in Wisconsin. I think the other one's in Virginia that are taking in Afghan refugees right now as we speak. Four bases here in the U.S. Our bases in uh, Spain and Italy and Germany. No one's been abandoned. Can you guys, you know, anybody listening to this, tell me why? Not why Republicans, that's their job to just be assholes and not tell the truth. But why is everybody else ganged up on Biden? And while he's been doing this, and while he's been preparing for the end of the war over the last couple of months, but even just in these couple of weeks, here, look at the things that he's done. He's, he's raised the amount of food stamps that the poor get. The first real raise since 1962. 42 million people this month are going to start getting more food so they can have three meals a day. The millions who are going to no longer be on the hunger list 
He did that in the middle of this. He and the House yesterday got the $3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill passed in the House. That's amazing. In the middle of this, he forgave the college loans of disabled people who have a college loan. They've, their, their debt has been wiped clean. And people in, in his administration are proposing that any of you who are carrying a college debt, that we work this out so right away uh, we get $50,000 of your student loan forgiven right now. Um, he announced that they're eliminating this deadly pesticide that Trump allowed to be back being used on farms. Gone. In the middle of the end of this war and the evacuation. Child poverty has been cut in half with a stroke of the pen. The child tax credit. That's Joe Biden. That's what he's doing every day while he's ending this war and getting everybody home safely. Where is the gratitude? Where is just the news telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth about what he's been doing and the miracle of Kabul, the miracle of getting everybody out of there and nobody dying and no planes being shot down. How do you convince the Taliban to not do that. The saint of Scranton. <laughs> Too far for some of you? My fellow Bernie friends? <laughs> you got to call it like you see it. And this has been an amazing couple of weeks. And he pulled this off. He pulled it off at a time when he wasn't expecting it to happen so quickly and yet got people together, pivoted, boom, and took 18 planes from Delta, united, and the other airlines. <laughs> I need your planes. Shut the fuck up. Look, things could fall apart. Shit can happen anytime, anywhere. This is not a safe place to be. While the media, and the pundits, the Republicans, the sellout Democrats, as they've sat around privately hoping they can continue their narrative of just how awful this is and how it's so scary and so, so, you know, waiting for this whole thing to collapse. I pray to God it doesn't. I want people in this country, my country, to see what a real commander-in-chief could do if he was for peace, not for expanding the war like they all want him to do. Get the guns out. Expand the perimeter. Drive around Kabul and look for Americans. Don't buy any of this bullshit, my friends. Take a moment when you write to Biden about the other things we need to write to him about, including the ERA, Women's Equality Day. Thank him. Thank him for what he's doing. He's pulling this off with, seems like everybody against him, nobody standing up for him, and he doesn't care. 
just like a 78-year-old wouldn't care what you think. God bless him. God bless you, Joe Biden. You've pulled something off here, and it's just a few days of it left, so fingers are crossed. Prayers are being said um, that your success so far will continue, even though it seems like the American media um, wants to write a different kind of story. And even though, as the polls have shown, your approval rating has taken a dive. I'm talking about you, my fellow Americans, who have felt the need to join into the chorus of criticism. But I have a theory, my friends, as to why we're witnessing anger and disrespect toward Joe Biden. The reason so much of the political and media and military establishment are behaving so stunned and so angry at this Afghanistan pullout, it's because by doing this, Joe Biden, who's one of their own, a card-carrying member of the moderate Democrats of the go-along with whatever the Pentagon wants guy, that's who he was in the U.S. Senate, that they are so stunned that he is the one who has just revealed so many of their lies and their myths that they've placed upon us, the American people. And he's done it in one fell swoop in just these 12 days. We have been bombarded over time here with so much propaganda about the war on terror, about Islam, about who Muslims are, about the need for, we must have more surveillance and spying. We must protect our police and give them as many military armaments as possible and turn them into robocops. We have been bombarded about how noble we are and how virtuous our intentions were by invading Afghanistan and Iraq. But not only that, we are constantly bombarded from these same people with lies, lies at home that are told about the way we live here in America, about deficits are evil and the need to tighten our belts and about how we can't afford anything. Lies that were told about how true, free, universal health care is not realistic. Nonstop propaganda. Oh, we can't afford that. We can't, we can't afford paid parental leave. We can't, we can't give more money to the schools. We can't fix our shitty infrastructure. Too expensive. How are we going to pay for that? This has all been another key chapter in this book of lies called The War on Terror, and it is being undone, undone by the actions of someone who is one of their own, Joe Biden. Yes, it's natural for people who've been telling these false stories for the past 20 years to not like the fact that the rug is being pulled out from underneath them. Especially by a guy who used to tell those stories along with them. And right now, 
He's not doing that. He's saving Americans. He's saving Afghans. He's saving maybe, just maybe, what shred of dignity we have left because of the way we've behaved for decades. I want the world to see that part of us. I want us to behave like that from now on. And I want whoever sits in the Oval Office to give a damn about peace. We've got that right now. What a blessing it is. What a miracle these two weeks have been. Tell your friends and your neighbors and your family members and anybody you talk to, you run into, people you communicate with online, social media, tell them how happy and proud you are of the job this guy is doing. Let's keep it that way. Thank you, President Biden, these past 12 days. God bless you. And let's all, in whatever way that you pray or send out the good karma or whatever it is that you do to protect those who are trying to protect lives and trying to save their own lives. So just before I thank you, Joe, for bringing them home, our condolences to the families of those who lost their lives today, Americans and Afghans. Thank you to our Marines for giving your lives so that others could be free. Thank you, Joe, for bringing them home. The church bells will ring with joy. Bring them home, bring them home. Before we leave, just a quick shout out here to our underwriter, our longtime, our first underwriter, Anchor. I hope this podcast uh, today lifted your spirits a bit. We are in a dark time. Uh, the Delta variant is exploding. The environment is literally on fire and so much damage has been done. It may lead to even further complications in terms of how it affects humans. And we still have the Republican Party who, when it came up for a vote this week to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, not one single Republican would vote for it. Not one. We're talking about protecting people's rights and halting any discrimination on the basis of race. And not one Republican could find their way to vote for that. The 146 of them who were insurrectionists that night on January 6th after their colleagues had stormed the Capitol building when they went back into session late at night, 146 of them voted to not accept the results of the United States election. Voted to say that the election was fake and that Trump had won. Hours after Trump's people assaulted, killed, ransacked our capital. We know what we have to do here. We've got an election year coming up next year. And we not only have to maintain control of the House. We have to get the Senate in our hands so we're not having to deal with this filibuster. But when the infrastructure bill goes before the Senate here in the next month or so and voting rights, you know, we've got to insist that the Democrats in the Senate 
go back to the old filibuster that did not require one side or the other to have 60 votes to be a majority when a majority is 50 plus one. So we've got a fight ahead of us here. It's coming up very shortly. We're in the middle of it right now, in fact. So let's take the good news of what we've seen from President Biden, who will not back down to any of these people who don't like what he's doing, ending this war in Afghanistan and bringing everyone home alive. I know, I know what you're saying. You're, yes, I know. We've, we've had the kind of the crap knocked out of us after four years of the other guy, the former guy. Doesn't matter. The work isn't done. But let me thank you for everything that you've done over these years. And we're all still together here. <laughs> and I want you to hang in there, hang tough. Stay with me if you can. Sign up on my mailing list. I'm going to send you free stuff. You know, a podcast every week, an essay every week, and other important things that we need to do to work together to save the America we've never had. I think that's worth our time and our effort. So thank you for being part of this. Thank you if you are new subscribers to my Substack, uh, or you know, just go to michaelmore.com. That's all you got to do, michaelmore.com. Put your email address in, boom. You're a free subscriber. And if you want to help us out and be more involved, there's a way to do that too. My thanks to all of you. And my thanks to our executive producer, Basil Hamden, our editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, and to everybody else who's been helping me with this podcast, including a, a new researcher uh, here with us, uh, Harrison Malkin. Thank you. Welcome uh, uh, to Rumble. And welcome to all of you who are new listeners because you've signed up and subscribed uh, for the free podcast here. Rumble with Michael Moore. I'm Michael Moore, and I'll talk to you soon. Bring them home. Bring them home.